Hello and welcome to Pediapod for October 2017. This month we'll discuss the effect of antidepressant exposure during pregnancy on neonatal adaptation. It's been known for over 20 years that antidepressant exposure in utero may be associated with poor neonatal adaptation and discontinuation-like symptoms in neonates. Poor neonatal adaptation syndrome, or PNAS, presents as a distinct set of gastrointestinal, neurological and respiratory symptoms. It's not been clear how to best assess neonates for PNAS following antidepressant exposure, but some clinicians have adapted a test originally designed to spot neonatal opiate withdrawal symptoms called the Neonatal Abstinence Scoring System, or NAS. Professor Megan Galberly, Foundation Chair in Perinatal Psychiatry at the University of Notre Dame, recently published a paediatric research paper examining the use of NAS in assessing neonates exposed to antidepressants in utero and providing some rare long-term follow-up of these children's developmental outcomes at six months. It also sparked a commentary article from the Paediatric Policy Council, which we discuss here, along with how her study can be expanded upon by following these results further with the children, preferably up to adulthood. Are fetuses regularly exposed to drugs? Absolutely, and I think that the Paediatric Policy Guideline calculated that for the US and found up to 800,000 children are exposed in utero to a range of drugs, illicit and illicit substances and medications. In terms of antidepressants specifically, what we know from the limited research that's been done is that there are certainly babies exposed. For instance, in Australia, we think our rate is around 2%. And why I say think is that that data is out of date and and from data that we've seen out of Europe and out of the US, it certainly looks like this is on the rise, um, the use of antidepressants in pregnancy. And is this cause for concern? I mean, is there any evidence for harm caused to prenatal offspring? When there's the consideration of prescribing an antidepressant in pregnancy, I guess there's a few factors to consider. Um, You know, these are used usually for moderate to severe depression and anxiety disorders. So these are women who are quite unwell from their depression and anxiety. It's usually in the situation where psychological treatment or other treatments have either not indicated or not worked for these women. And what we know from the limited research that has followed up women with depression and anxiety untreated in pregnancy is that that also can have a detrimental effect on long-term outcomes for children. So what we're balancing is what we know and don't know about the effect of exposure in pregnancy to these agents. I think one of the most clear risks is poor neonatal adaptation that has been shown now in a recent um, systematic review across 12 studies and it's really been a fairly consistent finding across studies. And you've recently published a paediatric research paper examining the effects of prenatal exposure to antidepressant medications on the foetus. Can you tell us about your, the study you designed? Basically, what we're looking at is a longitudinal selected pregnancy cohort study specifically designed around both depression and antidepressants in pregnancy. So we've recruited three groups of women into this study, women who are taking antidepressants, women who are depressed and not taking antidepressants, and control women. This particular study focuses on one wave of this data collection specifically around women who were taking antidepressants and following up their children. 
Because I think there really are still these three unanswered questions about this, these neonatal symptoms. You know, how do we assess them? And there isn't a consistent guidelines or consistent recommendations around that. It's certainly what do they represent? I don't think that they are a clear withdrawal, such as what you get with opiates or benzodiazepines. And then what do these symptoms mean in the long term? And really now we only have three studies that have specifically followed up neonates who exhibit these symptoms and looked at later development. You found evidence, first of all, and in the short term, in autonomic dysfunction. And can you tell us, first of all, how you test for that? And is that a good test? Well, so what we used was really the main scoring system that is validated for neonates to look at substance withdrawal, substance discontinuation or poor adaptation from substance exposure in pregnancy. So that's the Finnegan scale or the neonatal abstinence scoring system. So it's an observational scale and it really has three um, areas that you're observing. Um, You're observing symptoms that are regarded as CNS symptoms such as crying, tremor, convulsions, gastrointestinal symptoms such as their sucking, their feeding, um, any vomiting or regurgitation, loose or watery stools and then what they regard as other symptoms so things like sweating, fever, yawning, mottling, sneezing, respiratory difficulties. It was designed specifically to measure opiate withdrawal in babies that had been exposed to opiates in pregnancy. It's been used more widely and it really is the only thing that's been validated for this sort of thing for neonates. When you carried out this measure, what did it tell you about the effects of antidepressant exposure on um, autonomic functioning? So certainly what we found was it was similar to, to what we'd found in our earlier study, which is that certainly there were symptoms observable in babies exposed to antidepressants, um, that the symptoms persisted up to five days um, postpartum. So again, I think that's really important in terms of how long these babies are often in hospital, that the symptoms tended to cluster quite heavily around the central nervous system symptoms, so particularly sleepiness and, and tremor, which again is a consistent finding over a number of studies. Any idea what the mechanism might be? No, and that is really one of the key questions I think that's yet to be answered around this. So I guess what's been thought about is, is this a a sign of serotonin toxicity in the baby? Is this a withdrawal syndrome like you might see with opioids or benzodiazepines? Or is this something else? And certainly from both our study and also an earlier study by Oberlander in the British Journal of Psychiatry in 2008, What both of us have shown is that even when these medications have been ceased earlier in pregnancy, you may still see some of these symptoms in the baby. So to me, that suggests that it's unlikely to be a discontinuation or toxicity and that there is some sort of other process going on. To me, that suggests the importance of following these babies up to see whether this is um, time limited to the neonatal period or whether this is a developmental signal for later developmental concerns. And you did that in this study, didn't you? Certainly up to the six-month point. So we certainly found that the total score on the NAS um, did significantly predict poorer motor development on the ages and stages questionnaire at six months of age. I should emphasise, though, that the ages and stages questionnaire is a very brief screening of development and that these babies were only six months of age, so that's extremely young to be trying to, to assess their development with any certainty and you know the developmental windows and and all sorts of things um, can be so varied at that age so really what we would like to do is replicate what we had done previously which is really follow up 
children until they're much older and until you can do much more specific and robust neuropsychological measures such as at four and five years of age. And what sorts of studies do you think are needed to completely unravel the consequences of prenatal drug exposure? Is there something missing do you think? I think it is difficult to do because it really does um, require, I think, as the Paediatric Policy Council article highlighted, the need for rigorous research that, as they um, said, and I'll quote them, exquisitely executed, um, that is depth and, and designed, I think, um, I would emphasise for purpose. They also talk about studies that really go from fetus to adulthood because what's been known in areas such as the preterm research um, and, and medications like sodium valproate is that you may not see some of these effects in those first few years. You may only start to see the effects as children get older. Um, and so it's really important that we follow up children using very rigorous and robust methodology to really understand you know, the risks and the benefits potentially to treatment in pregnancy of maternal mental health. What, in your experience, uh, Megan, are the challenges uh, to getting these kind of studies sort of underway? Well, I think as they highlight in their commentary, one of the, the big barriers is the funding cycle. So, for instance, here in Australia, I don't think it's any different in the US or the UK, um, you know, most grants are funded to three years. At the very best, they get funded to five years. Um, and if you're looking at fetus to adulthood, <laughs> that is many, many grant applications to get that study from woe to go, if you like. Um, so, so I think that's one of the key barriers. The other barrier is, I think, bringing together groups that have that complementary expertise to really untangle the, the complexity of this. If you think about this as a case in point, you know, poor neonatal adaptation and antidepressant exposure, you obviously need some sort of understanding of perinatal psychiatry and maternal mental health, maternal depression, um, you know, prescription of antidepressants in pregnancy and all that might go with that. But equally, you need expertise around neonatology and paediatrics to look at the, the neonatal outcomes, to potentially follow up and look at child developmental outcomes. You know, you're also looking at the psychopharmacology of these agents and how they work, so, so some sort of pharmacological expertise, possibly obstetric as well. So they really also do take um, you know, multidisciplinary groups of researchers who, who can come together to really start to understand and grapple with these complex questions and, and understand the interaction between maternal mental health, maternal mental health treatments and then infant and child outcomes and, and how they may relate. That was Megan Galbally from the University of Notre Dame. That's it for this episode of Pediapod. Join us again next month. Thanks for listening.